Thank you, Grant. Oof, after those words, I don't know if you were talking about me. Uh, good, good afternoon, Harbour City. It's such a privilege to be standing in front of you and to be sharing. As I said, it has always been a pleasure for me to just meet and, and um, worship with you guys. Um, and I've often said that it's the highlight of my week. Like, I, I think of the church and I'm just like, what an amazing group of people. And I've just like thought of so many of you and just prayed for you over time. And I feel really privileged to be a part of this community. Uh, if you're here for the first time, I'd like to give you a warm welcome. And I just hope that this would be a place where you feel at home and hopefully make it a home. So as uh, Grant has said, um, I'm really excited about next year um, to be serving at Harbor City and uh, also the Bible Talks. Uh, big shout out to Nigel and some of the gang for uh, showing up. Uh, thank you for, for, for the support. Um, as you know, we've been doing a series called Here For It, which is about the church. And we've been talking about what the church is and what its purpose is, um, having come from lockdown and the craziness of COVID-19. And today, the, the, um, the, the, the message I'm going to preach is called the Ministry of the Pew. Uh, so Nigel would know about this because he taught it to me. And I just felt really inspired to actually just go deep and... Um, just look at what it means for us as a church. So I'll explain a little bit later on what that actually means, but I'd like to first give you a little bit of background as to um, what kind of church I come from. Uh, so my first church was actually my mom's church, you know, and um, fortunately I wasn't like pressured to go to church, but I was always curious. I always knew that God existed and um, I just couldn't shake that off as a kid. So um, my mom's church actually was a mixture of Christianity and um, African traditional religion, what some people would call um, syncretization. And basically what, what this means, especially the African side, is that um, they just believe that um, the people that have gone before us, uh, the people that have died or passed away in our families, are the ones who mediate on our behalf. So they are the ones who actually take our prayers to God and all our requests. And in order for everything to go well, we have to sacrifice, we have to slaughter to them. And um, I had never heard the gospel of God's grace and that God has made a way for us to be right with him uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it was essentially a workspace religion. Um, I mean, it goes without saying that you had to work really hard in order to be favored by God or to be accepted. But... Um, it was just a lot for me. I couldn't carry it. Not to mention, I actually got incredibly hurt by the church. As a family, we got hurt by the church because um, I, being the instigator, used to ask a lot of questions and things had to make sense in my head and they would just shut that out, you know. And so I became annoying and um, just a lot of members were turned against me and that was really hurtful, you know, because I really wanted to know God, you know. So, um, one of the things I realized when I became a believer was that God wants us to love him with our minds as well. These things are not mutually exclusive. It's not just about heart and um, strength and, and, and passion, but God really wants us to think um, about the things he has for us. Um, so as time go went on, I mean, we became the subject of, of like many sermons and um, I decided that church is not for me, but it's essentially I knew that God was good and that he was there. 
So what did I do? I responded by working hard, really, really hard, so much so that I would allow people to misuse me so that I could say, God is pleased with me. Um, now, fast forward university, when I started, um, I had met a group of um, just young people who were passionate and energetic about uh, God, and that was really appealing to me, you know. They were very loving, and they prioritized meeting together, eating together, and sharing God's word. And one of the things that struck me about them was that they really had a passion to see other people come to know the truth which had set them free. They weren't just religious, trying to do the right thing or just keeping a bunch of rules. But instead, they were really excited about Jesus. They enjoyed him. Now, you may ask yourself, what led to my appreciation of the church? Now, it's basically the fact that people that I had met were living as a family. They were living in community. They showed me the love and the grace of God, and I felt like I belonged. Now, it's important to mention that while growing up, for most of my life, I felt like an outsider. I was lonely, I felt excluded, unimportant, and just in the background. So those people really helped to reveal the heart of God to me, and that God wants to have a relationship with us, you know, as his beloved children, you know. And one of the things I picked up was that God sees us, God knows us, and he's made a way for us to be united with him through Jesus um, on the cross. And when I think of that, there's a cross behind us. When I think about that, um, I think of just his arms wide open and how that's such a symbol of invitation. Now, if you look at Matthew 11, verse 29, it reads as follows. Um, I don't know if it's going to come behind, but I'll go ahead and read. Oh, there we go. Uh, it says, uh, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, Jesus does not want us to try and work for him. He's not looking for workers. I know South Africa is short of um, employment but that's not what Jesus is short of. He wants us to rest from doing things in our own strength perhaps like me and um, I understand that a lot of people may not have a clear or um, a concise understanding of what God requires of us, but Jesus asks us to relax, to come and rest in him, but not the kind of relaxing where you just pitch up and set up a tent and sip margaritas, but rather to partner with him in his work and in serving others. He promises to train us and to equip us and to, to guide us as we walk with him in life and service. And if we, if we allow him, he essentially will. But finally, he also promises that we will find rest and refreshment for our souls. Now, I'd like to mention a couple of people who have played a significant role in my life um, as I've become a part of the church. And one of them is Nosipo Mkise. Some of you might know her from Pinetown. Well, she used to fetch us on campus, and she used to take us to church every Sunday. She used to also lead our life group, and she used to bake for us every single meeting without fail. And those of you who know me, I love baked goods. But more than that, she taught us the word of God, and she was faithful in doing that. Um, she would randomly just call us and um, ask us if we were busy, and if not, she'd take us to the beach, uh, we'd, she'd have movie nights, and just a lot of other things that she was hosting just to make us feel welcome and loved. 
Now, one thing I noticed about this is that it took a lot of commitment on her end, financially, her time, and um, just her persistence. Um, one of the things that was really appealing for me, especially when we had movie nights, is that we're, we were able to discuss gospel-themed messages, even in the most, in, in a movie you wouldn't even think, you know, because at that time I was barely a Christian. Now, when I think of her, I look at the fact that she was a woman. She was older than me. She was working. And it goes against the grain of our, of our society. And this also just revealed the heart of the gospel, that it, it changes everything, you know, and it rearranges what we've been taught and what we had known all along. Now, one of the things that stood up is that um, God had served us already with his very best, his son, we didn't deserve his kindness, but graciously he has given him to us. He did not hold him back. Another guy who you might know um, is actually a movie star, and he's got great hair, and he goes by Grant Clark. And we had had a conversation um, a couple of years back, and um, when we met, we picked off as if we hadn't had that gap, you know. And I noticed that, um, you know, God cares, you know, and he notices us. Um, he approves of us, and that's all that matters. As his children, that's all that matters. Now, Grant has played such a significant role in my life, in my walk with God, as you might have known and heard. He noticed what God was um, spurring inside of me, and he called me aside, and he led me. He, he walked with me. Now, I think if you remember when Callum was speaking, um, he spoke about um, how Harbor City has always been a church that is built on discipleship. And um, I'm basically a product of that, you know. And I'm not perfect, as none of us are. But um, what I've learned from Grant and what I've learned from other people who have gone before me, I, I strive to emulate. I try to, um, to impart it into my own walk with God as I um, journey with other people. So if you look at Paul and the way that he um, discipled Timothy, um, it's very clear that um, it's just part of the process. You have to be walking with someone as a believer. It's what God calls us to. In fact, if you look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others as well. And the last person I'd like to mention is Catherine Moodley. Some of you might not know her. She is Rowan's younger sister. I know, everyone says she, she looks um, younger. <laughs> yeah, as you all know, she's at Harvard now, and I'm sure she's impacting people as we speak. Now, she was incredibly loving and tender-hearted to me when I met her. And one word I could use to describe her is hospitable. The meaning of which it, it means to entertain um, strangers or, or, or guests or visitors. But um, what struck me about the definition was that it included strangers. When I met Catherine, it was on a Sunday. And I remember she was standing on the veranda just sipping, I think it was yogurt. And um, she just invited me to her house on that very same day, amongst other people. It wasn't anything dodgy. <laughs> but I was a stranger to her. You know, she was in her space. She was in her element. She was even leading worship at the church at the time. She was with familiar people, but she greeted me with such warmth and kindness, and she gave me a hug. I love hugs. 
Now, she, she invited me to her home after that, and we had a wonderful time. And um, it was just really meaningful for me to be noticed like that. Now, as we look at all these three examples, we can see what kind of heart God ha- has towards us. And we can see how um, just all these three people help to shape uh, me into the person who is actively involved with other people as well. Because I had such wonderful examples of what it means to follow Jesus, I could in turn join in the work of advancing God's kingdom. And first and foremost, he's the one who initiates um, or pursues us into relationship with him. He chooses us, not because of what we've done, but out of his own love. I mean, if you look at the Gospels, um, Jesus says, follow me and then I'll make you fishers of men. It's never the other way around. He's never looking for workers. Now, considering that, I'd like us to look at a scriptural demonstration of what it means to serve through examples. So if you've got your Bibles, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17, or it will come up behind me. So it reads as follows. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to example you have in us. Now, the goal of all of us as believers is to become like Christ. I think we can all agree on that. And Paul um, clearly states that in Philippians uh, chapter 3 from verses 11 to 16. He teaches us to mimic this approach. But he does more than just that. Instead, he adds by telling us to look at his life. Now, the reason uh, Paul can ask us to look at his own life is because his focus is on Christ. And this is evident in his, in, in his words, his actions, and his attitude. Now, he was so immersed with Christ that he his commitment was likened to a mirrored reflection. Paul reflected Christ in all that he did. He was able to hold up his own life as a model of complete and utter devotion to his Lord and Savior, which we should all strive for. I don't know about you, but um, I've heard about just many people and in many churches where um, pastors and leaders would say things like, uh, look at my life, listen to what I say, but don't do what I do which is rather discouraging. Now, Paul does not say that at all. In fact, his life is a pattern of godly living for others to imitate. Now, Harbor City, may we, by God's grace, become so Christ-like in our actions and in our attitudes, in our thinking, in our motives, and in in our words. Um, Be like the Apostle Paul, so that our lives are exemplary to others. Um, one of the things I've always noticed is that many people um, have a, a thing or um, beef with the church. That's the right word. <laughs> because of um, just things that they've seen and, and heard that are quite inappropriate. 
And I realize that a lot of people are watching and they are yearning for authenticity. Some people right now are actually looking at your lives and you might not even notice. Um, and so we strive to be a pattern for which they are able to model, that they are able to see Christ and actually come to salvation. Now, Paul is not being arrogant when he says we should look at his life. He's not the big Mnumzan. He's already noted, um, uh, said, or noted that he's weak. But in spite, in spite of his weakness, he presses on. He, he teaches the believers in Philippi to look to examples of other godly people. Now, it's very important to note that in those days, they didn't have um, a physical written uh, New Testament. So to have a godly person before you was of incredible importance. But even today, who doesn't want to witness that? I've been changed deeply by that. In fact, I've noticed that even in watching a movie or just reading a biography about someone who's lived a faithful life before God can help you into a deeper spiritual relationship with God and a, fruit, a fruitful one at that. In actual fact, when Paul calls us to imitate him, he's actually calling us to imitate Christ. So Jesus also used the tool of personal example when he taught his followers. And um, I'd like us to look at John 13 from verse 12 to 17. So it reads as follows. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on their outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are speaking rightly, since that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you, if you do them. Just one of the things I picked up when I was reading this text is that um, Jesus serves. Jesus has served us. But more importantly, he gives us this example so that we can serve others. He washes his disciples' feet and he asks them to do the same thing. And in turn, he says, you will be blessed if you do them. I've also noticed in Hebrews 11, it talks a lot about people of old who have um, just lived out faithful lives before God. And um, I thought that was a really good example to follow, you know, that in spite of their circumstances, they were faithful to God. Now, the big idea as we meet together on, on, on Sunday, or as we gather today, is that um, we're called to be a part of the church, because this is how the will of God is being demonstrated to the whole world. Through, um, and we learn many like church practices and disciplines which actually build us up so that we are strengthened and that we're able to be effective in communicating the gospel to other people, um, starting with our families, our neighborhoods, and um, even places where we work. Now, as Grant mentioned earlier on, um, not earlier on, but like in, uh, along the series, um, we are the body, you know, and Christ is the head. And so we work together um, to restore um, people that are brokenhearted um, and to just bring everything together under Christ. We become one with him. As we gather, we work as a unit, like how the body works. 
but it doesn't end there. God wants us as his body to learn about his ways from his word and to, to carefully implement what we're learning so that we carry the truth to the rest of the world. Now, the beauty about learning is that it's not just something that happens as we sit and we um, take notes or just in any formal, formal setting or formal way, but we learn through observing, through watching and witnessing other people that have gone before us. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, um, Nosipo was quite impactful in my life. And I remember just when I jetted off to Joburg, I was able to implement a lot of the things which she had taught, well, not taught me, which I had witnessed, which, which she had lived out before me. And um, I just saw so many people just make sense of who God is and just grow in their faith. And that was just such a wonderful thing to witness. Now, I want to uh, go back to the ministry of the pew, which is basically what Nigel has taught me. <laughs> now, um, basically as we gather together, as we come together, we're supposed to, to minister to each other, to add, to build, and to strengthen one another so that we're able to go and do the work of God out there. And so I'd like to give us a, a few practical tools of how to do that as we gather on a Sunday. Now, firstly, we can come early. Uh, if you come early, uh, coffee is served. I know it's not served after, but um, if, you come, if you come early, you'll get coffee. You can catch up with friends and get, and get to know other people. You know. In doing this, we're following the example of Jesus who laid his own life and who did not consider it as something to be um, just highly exalted. By coming to church early, we are considering other people as being more important and we're implementing the humility of Jesus and we get to grow in love, which is actually a true um, reflection of what a, a believer is. Secondly, worship. As we gather to sing, we can sing with enthusiasm, encouraging one another of how great God is, regardless of our circumstances. Some of us may come downcast, weary, worried, but some of us may be joyful and excited, and we need each other in this process. Psalms 89 from verse 15 to 16 says, Happy are the people who know the joyful shout. Lord, they walk in the light of your face, and they rejoice in your name all day long, and they are exalted by your righteousness. Now, worship is a declaration that God is present in the midst of all that is happening around us in the world today. Worshiping together teaches us to submit and to surrender all our cares to God, our priorities and our plans, our hopes and our dreams, and all of our fears. Now, Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 21 encourages us to sing to the Lord and to make music to him. And I'd like us to have a look at it. It says, and don't get drunk, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one another, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Now one of the things that has always confused me is that I've heard people say worship is for God and not for us. But I believe worship is for God because he's worthy of our praise, but also it is for us. Because as we sing these songs, we encourage one another and we strengthen one another to look to him. Music has always been a powerful tool, and it, it allows us to remind each other to look to um, Jesus um, in spite of our circumstances. 
we are singing God's very words. Um, thirdly, the preaching of the word. So if we're, reading, if we're doing a book um, of the Bible, we can read up a little, a little bit about it, or um, if it's a topic, we could perhaps read um, about that beforehand as well. We can wrestle with the scriptures, and we can speak to our friends, and perhaps after the service, or um, in life group, which is a perfect place. And if you don't have a life group, we have a ton of amazing life groups here in the church. We can listen attentively and we can take notes. We can go home and reflect and we can meditate on the words. And most importantly, we have to apply what is being preached in, um, to our lives. Fourthly, as the service draws to an end, we can notice new people as opposed to grouping up together. This is almost our natural inclination. But Rebecca McLaughlin actually said, this is a quote, a new person on their own is an emergency. And I've got like red on my laptop. And this is because people come to church for various reasons. And imagine someone comes to church and nobody notices them the way Catherine noticed me. And they go back to whatever uh, struggles they, they've been going through. What a tragedy. So in Philippians 2.3, it says that we need to consider others more than ourselves. Jesus never saw himself as better than anyone. He met all kinds of people, and he met them where they were, even tax collectors like Zacchaeus. And when we reach out to others, we are becoming like our Savior. So when it comes to communion, this is something we do in remembrance of Jesus, because he's come to save us. He has given off his body, and his blood has been poured out for us. 1 Corinthians verse 11 from 23 to 26 says, For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now when we take communion, we set our minds on Jesus. We remember his body that was break, broken for us and his blood which was poured out for us. We do that with meaningfulness and thoughtfulness, also aiding ourselves with that mentality of laying our interests aside so that other people may come to eat from the bread of life so that they may never hunger again. Now, this is probably your most favorite um, topic. It's called tithing. <laughs> now, this is an important principle because um, it really is the engine of ministry. So basically, tithing is when we give 10% of income, of our income to the church as an act of worship to find ministry. So God instructed the people of Israel to bring tithes to him. And we see that in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi was given two responsibilities. Firstly, it was to serve God by caring for the tabernacle and the spiritual needs of the people of Israel. And as a result, he did not assign them any portion of the land as the other tribes um, had. And so God instructed the people to bring tithes to provide for them. And also in the New Testament, we see the Apostle Paul 
who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, encouraging believers to give to those who attended to the needs of others. Now, when you tithe today, you enable those who God has called to serve as pastors, as missionaries, and other ministry personnel to faithfully build up the church and expand the kingdom of God. And also, it frees us of materialism and a false sense of security. God has given us his son freely. We ought to follow that example. So Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Practically, there needs to be money in order for the gospel to move forward, in order for all the the ministries within a church um, to be funded. And the reason why tithing is also quite important is because it allows us to just remember, it, it reminds us that we are stewards of everything that God has given us. And um, to steward actually means to manage or to look after rather than to own. So God is essentially the owner of everything. Psalm 50 from verse 10 says, um, For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains and the creatures of the field. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and everything in it is mine. I hope that reads correctly. We don't physically take up an offering um, as Harbor City, but we do have um, details online if you go on our church um, website. But we do believe in giving as a church for these purposes. It's an act of worship. Now, when it comes to serving the church, we have many um, just areas in which um, one can be helpful in. And um, it involves children's ministry, um, the AV team, the band, um, set up and set down. And um, if you're keen on joining, you can speak to Grant, you can speak to myself or any one of the people who are in that department. And um, we also serve because Jesus first served us. Now, serving has changed my life uh, um, immensely because um, I've developed a much more Christ-like perspective as a result. I no longer look at what other people can do for me, but it's really how I treat other people. It's what I can do to help build and strengthen the church. This is like really important because sometimes you will go unnoticed and feel lonely or isolated in a church setting. And if we aid ourselves with the mentality of serving, we can be a blessing to others instead of constantly looking to ourselves. Now this can be particularly helpful when we get hurt by the church because we begin to have more of an outward um, looking mentality than as opposed to always just looking at self and what one can get. We, we, can re- we, we come to a realization that church is not just to serve us, but actually that we're called to be participants of the church. We're called to build and to add. At some point, every one of us might be hurt by the church or possibly will, you know, whether it's intentional or unintentional. But because we're still on this journey, no one is perfect. So if we aid ourselves with the mentality of Christ, we're able to just look at the bigger picture and not be caught up with offense and um, small and other things. Now, as I come to land this plane, I'd like to remind us that the work of the church is happening in the other six days. I'd encourage you, I would like to encourage you, um, dear friends, to come join us. 
we as the church are called to impact society and advance the kingdom of God. And this plays, out, it plays itself out well on Sundays as we gather like this because we can equip ourselves in the various areas in which we can learn to serve and learn to um, love other people. Now as we come to church, I'd like to encourage us to look to our Lord Jesus Christ who although was equal to God, he did not take that as something to stand on but humbled himself to the point of death and death on a cross. I would encourage us to look to him as our chief example and then to look to those whose lives are devoted to him, putting to practice what we have learned and seen. A great motivation as we head out, God has called many, many people into his family. Wouldn't it be amazing if those people saw Jesus in our lives and attested to his goodness and to um, his love? So finally, as we go into the week, um, I'd like to remind us that Sundays is training ground. This is where we get equipped. This is where um, the blood and sweat happens. But really, it's more the equipping. The other six days is where the the, the mission is at. That's where we get to minister um, in our homes, in our workspaces, in our universities, and in our schools uh, to to, to glorify Jesus in the city that we're in. And... um, yeah, so I'd like us to um, just be encouraged to go out there to be Jesus' body into Durban with each day. Thank you.